We started a series through the book of Colossians three weeks ago, and we conclude that series today in part four of a message I want to entitle Hidden Heroes. Grab your notes, grab your pens, and let's say a word of prayer to bless our time together, shall we? Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for great grace and great growth over every life. I pray that you meet us right where we need you today, and I pray that we see you right where we need to see you today as God in your rightful place. We love you. In Jesus' name, somebody say a good amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do something. In your mind, I want you to go back to think when you were a child, okay? Go back in your mind, and then have you ever had a moment where you dreamt of being famous? Okay, show me some hands here today if you've ever grabbed a hairbrush, looked at yourself in the mirror, and began to lip sync to your favorite song, imagining it was you in front of thousands of people. Come on, wave at me, anybody? You look in the mirror like, and I will always love you. I mean, you did that. I know you did. Some of you, have you ever done this? You're, you're reciting and quoting the movie of your favorite movie character. And the same, at the same time, your favorite actor is, is reciting the lines. And you're imagining yourself, it's you on the big screen, like, shut up. Shut up. You had me at hello. <laughs> or whatever the movie was. Have you ever looked at your Instagram account? And seeing how many followers you have and compare that to a famous person and feel like you have no friends. <laughs> You're not the only one that's ever dreamt of being famous. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest desires of this generation is to be famous. Did you know that? It's one of the top ten desires of this generation. And it's funny because everybody on YouTube and Instagram is trying to become famous or trying to be discovered Everybody wants to be discovered, and it's hilarious to me because I heard it said this, this way, that those who are famous on Instagram, it's like people who are rich in Monopoly. Like, it's not real. It's just, it's not real. But we desire to come from obscurity into fame. And we think this, like, if the world just knew how gifted I was, they would love me. And we have so many TV shows dedicated to finding new talent nowadays. And people line up for days just for a moment, for a chance to become a star. Why? Because we all want to be known. Matter of fact, on the count of three, shout out your favorite superhero, okay? Everybody participate. One, two, three, go. Nobody said Robin. There's not one person in the room that said Robin. Nobody's ever fantasized about being Robin. We all want to be Batman. We all want to be somebody. We don't want to be the sidekick. We want to be the hero. And somewhere along the way, we have derived value in notability. And the world classifies people into two categories. Somebodies and nobodies. And we're afraid to fall into the nobody category because we, we don't want to fall in that category because we want our life to count for something. We want to be known for something, and we don't want our lives to be marginalized as invisible because that would be a threat to our dignity. It's interesting because not very many people value obscurity these days. And for those that do, it's probably the ones who have attained fame and now are trying to pay top dollar to crawl back into the shadows. But we all love good heroes. 
We love superheroes. We love a Batman and a Spider-Man and a, and a Superman and a Luke Skywalker and a Steph Curry. We all love superheroes. Well, listen, when you read the Bible, it seems to, it seems to have some heroes in it, too. We have Abraham and Moses and Elijah, and Paul would be in there. If you've ever read the Bible, if you're familiar with the Bible, man, you love Paul. Paul was the man. Paul was the guy who hated Christians at first, had an encounter with Jesus, and then became a Christian and became the greatest missionary this world has ever known aside from Jesus. And he wrote one-third of our New Testament. Paul was the man. And he's, he's a popular guy in Christendom, and he's writing from prison. Now, he's, he's in prison, but not for, like, tax evasion or chariot theft. <laughs> he's there for preaching Jesus. He's in prison writing to the people of Colossae, to which we have the book of Colossians. And he's writing to correct some error because there's some guys who, like, twisted the, the story and the teaching of Jesus. And he's, he's writing the letter to encourage them, but to also correct them and say, guys, Jesus is enough. He's all we need. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? So we have four chapters, and we've gone through the last three chapters, and we've crammed one chapter into a week. And if you've missed any of those weeks, I want to encourage you to go to thefellowshipchurch.com, and you can listen and catch up. But chapter 4, he's closing his, his letter. He's closing his email, if you will, and he's talking about open doors. And I would like to propose a question to you this morning. That is this. Are you actively looking for open doors? Are you actively looking? You say, well, Sean, how do I do that? Paul's about to tell us how. Number one, write this down if you're a note taker, that you ought to be praying. Be praying. Now, prayer is simply this. It's talking to God. That's it. Don't over-spiritualize it. Don't try to overcomplicate it. It's talking. A lot of people die in front of people if they have to pray. Like if I said, hey, could you just come up and close in prayer? You'd probably, you just die right on the spot. Heart attack. Why? Performance anxiety. You're trying to impress other people. You're trying to sound like somebody else. Nobody here has ever gotten to Burger King or McDonald's, and you, you get up to the counter, and you're like, I, 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 get, I just can't order like the person in front of me. <laughs> the way they said Big Mac and milkshake was so articulate. I just don't know if I, I can't do it. Can, can you order for me? <laughs> no, no. Why do we do that when we pray to God? I can't sound like them. I, oh, I don't know how to pray. What do you mean you don't know how to pray? You know how to talk, don't you? Talk to God. Come on, I'd hear a good amen at that. I just freed a lot of you. And I release you from having to pray in the King James Version English. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we beseech thee for thy bountiful blessings, which thou hast richly, benevolently provided for thee. Just stop it. Just talk to God. Sometimes I wake up, I'm like, God, I'm so tired. I got four hours of sleep last night. I woke up, I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Have mercy today. And then you begin to thank him for stuff, and you begin to pray through the Lord's Prayer. I'm telling you, it will, it, you will pray yourself into a frenzy after you realize how good God is. Amen. Paul says, be praying, and here's where he says it, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to talking to God, to living a life of prayer. And then he says, be watchful, and then, and then be thankful. It's interesting because... He slides thankful in there. 
You know, a lot of people, their life can be categorized by being critical. Always pointing out what's wrong in places. Let me ask you a few questions. Like today, when, when you go through something, is the first thing that come out of your mouth something critical and a complaint? Or is it a compliment birthed out of thankfulness? Because if you're not careful, your prayer life will turn into a complaint session. Now, God's okay with you complaining sometimes. We all do it. But it can't just be characterized by that all the time. And think about when, you, when something happens to you. Like, it's amazing to me that we can have two people come into the same service. And depending on what spirit they carry, what, what spirit they possess, they can have two different experiences. One person comes in and they have a complaining, critical spirit. They leave saying church was boring. I didn't get anything out of it today. I'm so angry because there wasn't a place to park. And the line at the check-in for the kids was too long. And I didn't like that new song they sang. It was a bad day. And yet you have somebody else with a thankful spirit come on the scene and say, Oh my goodness, church was amazing today. How cool is that that I had to park on the other side of the parking lot because there's so many people coming to faith in Jesus Christ at the church that we are all building together. It's perspective. Never let those who are critical set the pace. You set the pace. We're going to pray and be faith-filled. We're going to be thankful. Come on, is there anybody thankful in the room? We're going to be thankful for God's grace, thankful for God's mercy, thankful for the cross, thankful for eternal life, thankful for hope, thankful for healing. Come on, is there anybody in the room that's thankful to God? Be watchful, be looking, be thankful. So we're going to pray, but not just pray. He says be devoted to prayer. God answers prayer, but your faith shouldn't die just because God answers slowly sometimes. As a matter of fact, it's in the delay that many times God is working in you. (laughs) Let me try this side over here. (laughs) Don't let your faith die just because the answer's not coming as fast as you want it to, Mr. Microwave Christian. I'm telling you. Sometimes it's in the delay that God is actually working inside of your life. I've been to a play. Not proud of that. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. It was the Phantom of the Opera. It was actually amazing. I've seen that three times. and The set design. Oh my goodness, so much thought. And it moves like the set is moving as you're watching it. And then there's something called intermission. At intermission, the curtains close. We all stand up and go get popcorn. And when we leave, we've been gone for 20 minutes, and we come back to still the closed curtain. But when they open the curtain, everything has changed. It's a brand new set design. It's an entirely different scene. And it baffled me because here I was, totally oblivious to the fact that while I was eating popcorn... There were people behind the scenes working to change the scenery. I'm telling you, just because you don't see God moving does not mean that he's not working. God is working in your marriage. He's working in your finances. He's working in your health. Just because you don't see him moving doesn't mean that God's not at work. He's working. He's working. He's working all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. When you get back, he's going to change the entire nature of the scene. Somebody say he's working. He's working, he's working, he's working behind the scenes. Devote yourselves to prayer, even when you don't see God moving. 
Because he's working. He's working. As a matter of fact, the church has grown because of our prayer meeting. We gather on Thursdays. Every Thursday for years we've gathered once a week, which I consider the most important meeting of the week. It's a Thursday night prayer meeting at 730. We meet every Thursday except the first Thursday because that's when we have first Wednesday service. And we call on God to bless Sunday, to bless our nation and our city and our families. And God has heard our prayers, ladies and gentlemen. Be devoted to prayer. Verse 3 says that we're praying for the open door. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for what? Like, like most of you, like he's writing from prison. Remember this. You know if you're in prison for preaching Jesus, you'd be praying for an open door in prison. Come get me out of here. Paul never prayed that. He never asked that in his letters. He's praying for an open door. Watch this for our message, so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. He's praying that the the gospel would go forth, that people would respond to the love of God. What if we began to strategically pray for open doors of opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ? Come on, how many of your life has been utterly changed by the love of God? Come on, can we clap our hands and say a good amen? amen? If your life has been changed, watch this now, watch this. One of the greatest things you could do now is to pray and to turn around and look for opportunities to do the same thing for somebody else. So we want to be praying. Number two, it's important then to be clear. Paul said, be clear. Be praying and then be clear. Verse 4. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Clearly. Proclaim what? The message of Jesus. Let me give you four quick ways and teach you how to share your faith, all right? Four quick ways. Number one, take personal responsibility. Take personal responsibility. What does that mean? It means that you are now taking ownership of the mission and mandate for Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Who is responsible for the growth of the church? Many people are like, God is. Okay, Mr. Spiritual, yes, you're right, but. Most people in America, your first thought would be, the pastors are. That would be our first thought for the majority. What if we changed it and every single one of us took responsibility for the growth of the church? I mean, how many people do you have access to? In your sphere of influence, soccer team, baseball school, job, friends, how many people do you have access to? And then what if you begin to pray and identify which names you're going to personally take responsibility for to move them where they are to where God wants them to be. Take personal ownership. Take personal responsibility. And then, write this down, build a personal relationship. Build a personal relationship. You've heard of this before. People don't know, they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. This takes time, everybody. As a matter of fact, it is about God and it is about people. Love God, love people. Not just God, not just people. It's both and. Jesus told Peter, if you love me, then get involved in people's lives. Feed my sheep. So build a personal relationship. And then number three, share your personal story. Share your personal story. Now, every one of you has one. I have one, you have one. Here's how you do it. If you're like, I'm not sure where to start. I want you to start with this. Where were you? What happened? Where are you now? Where were you before God? What happened when you met God? 
And where are you now? You need to be able to tell somebody that. And can I say this? I know some of y'all could write a book and people would read it. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. You know, you also need a 90-second pitch. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Like, you need to get to the point. If you're in line at Safeway or the grocery store, you don't have an hour and a half. You need to be able to tell somebody, this is where I was. God changed me, and he could do the same inside of your life. Amen. Share your personal story. And then give a personal invitation. Give a personal invitation where you're inviting them to invite Jesus into their life or you're inviting them to church. And it's important to know the Bible. Be clear. And, and don't feel like you have to know the entire Bible. You're on your way, but start with what you know. God loves you, John 3.16. I mean, just tell them. But these four ways will help you be clear in your message, and it will help you share your faith in Christ. Is that all right? Yes or no? Number three, be wise. Paul says be praying, be clear, and be wise. Be wise. Colossians 4, 5 says be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. He's talking about, he's writing to a church, and he's like, guys, those who are on the outside of these four walls, I want you to be wise in how you conduct yourselves with them. Be wise in how you act toward them. Make the most of every opportunity. I love that. Make the most of every opportunity. What if we were wise in the way we approached people who didn't know God? What if we were wise and we were patient with them on their journey of growth, remembering that we didn't get here overnight either? What if we didn't ignore people, but we didn't shove the gospel down their throat either? We just loved them where they were and waited for the moment where their heart was open to Jesus. What if we were wise? Be wise, he says. Be wise. In building bridges and not fences. Be wise in building relationships and not attendance. Be wise in building friends where they can see the authentic, but you're not compromising your biblical values either. Be wise, Paul says. In verse 6, he says this. Let your conversation always be full of grace. I think we've lost that. A lot of times when we tell somebody about God, it's more about telling them off than it is welcoming them in. Let your, let your conversation be filled with grace. This is huge because you never want to lose your effectiveness because you weren't courteous. Come on. Yeah. Is there anybody listening to the message today? Come on. You never want to lose your effectiveness because you weren't kind. Let your speech, your conversation be seasoned with grace. And then I love this part. So that you may know how to answer everyone. So that who would know? You. Come on, put your hand here in your chest and say, me. me. I'm not going to always be there with you. Yeah. In the grocery store on aisle four, when you walk up on a lady crying and you say, ma'am, can I pray with you? Come on, I'm not going to be there on your school at lunch when you go sit by the student who doesn't have any friends and you say, can I sit here? Come on. I'm not going to be there on your job. At some point, you need to know the thrill of leading somebody to Christ personally. Yeah. You need to know how to answer people. In verse 5, he says, make the most of every opportunity. Yeah. That's good. Have you ever missed an opportunity? Yeah. I remember when I first saw Diana. I was talking to somebody at church, and I saw her walk by. And I was, have you ever been in a conversation that you wanted to get out of? Yeah. So you can jump into another conversation? <laughs> so I'm talking, I'm talking, and she's over there, and she's, She's talking, I mean, she's making eye contact with me. She's like with her eyes. She's like, come over here. Come. 
That's exactly what she was doing in the church lobby. <laughs> but I was, I was stuck in this conversation. I waited too long, and she had to go, and I missed an opportunity. I had to wait to come to church to see her again. How many here wish that you would have bought a little stock called Google when it first came out? Have you ever wanted to buy something at a store but waited too long, and when you go back, it's gone? I'm talking about a missed opportunity. What opportunities do you have in front of you right now to share the love of Jesus Christ? What are those opportunities? The story is told of a shoemaker and manufacturer who worked in Italy and wanted to expand his empire. He had already conquered the Western world, and eight out of ten people were wearing his specifically designed shoe for the beach when they went to the beach. He decided he was going to try to uh, tackle the South Pacific Islands. So he brought in a veteran salesman who'd been with him for 15 years and said, I want you to go check it out and report back to me what you find. This veteran salesman who was with him for 15 years flew to the Pacific Islands, got off the plane, and realized that nobody wore shoes. And he thought, this is a waste of time. He thought to himself, the time I'm going to have to spend to educate them what shoes are and then convince them that they need shoes is going to take way too much time. I'm not invested in this. I'm just going to go back home to my existing clients and work them. So he texted back, or he, he wired back, this is several years ago, wired back to his boss and said, hey, they don't wear shoes here, there is no market. He came home and told him it was a waste of time and he went back to his existing employees, I mean existing clients. So the boss was like, you know what, I'm not really feeling that, I want a second opinion. He took a hungry and fresh young salesman who had no experience and he sent him over there. The young man came off of the plane and saw that they were wearing no shoes. He wired back immediately and says, nobody wears shoes here. There is a huge market. Come on. He flew to the second island and observed that they too did not wear shoes. He says, I'm going to go back to the seven islands to make it a total of nine. I will wire you my results. A few months later, after making friends with the chief and the tribal leaders, he wired back to his boss and said, they're not wearing shoes. Nobody wears shoes here. But it's not because they don't want to. It's because nobody has ever given them a reason to. As a matter of fact, their feet are sore, bruised, hurting, and many of them have infections that have led to serious illness and even death. As a matter of fact, on top of all of that, the chief's son died a couple of months ago due to an infection in the foot. I have told them now that nobody else will ever die because of an infection in their foot if they wear these shoes. The chief has worn them for eight weeks and absolutely loves them. And he told them, listen, the chief now wants a million pairs of shoes. Woo! And then he says, oh, by the way, I'm not coming back. The chief has approved me marrying his beautiful daughter, and we are in the process of moving into our first home. If you'd like for me to be your representative and set up a branch here in the Pacific Islands, I would gladly do so. When the boss heard and received this message, he called in the veteran salesman who turned the job down and said, pack your bags, you're moving to the Pacific Islands. You're now going to work for this young executive. Your job is to train him as a CEO because he knows how to see an opportunity. How many opportunities have we missed in sharing hope and healing with Jesus, of Jesus with other people? Because we look at them and we think, oh, they're fine. They're fine. Or we think, oh, they're, they're not interested. 
And so here's what we tell ourselves. I'll just go back to church, what I know, by myself, again, every single week, instead of inviting somebody else to come with me. And I'm just here to tell you, every one of us knows what it's like to look good on the outside, but you can be dying on the inside. Do not go based on what people look like. I'm here to tell you there is a desperate need for people to know Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Come on, let's commit this week to, to make the most of every opportunity. How many are grateful somebody stepped out to reach you? And now we're going to pay that forward. Take personal responsibility. Who will you take personal responsibility for? I want you to begin to think about that. Pray about it. Write their names down. Take personal responsibility. Build a personal relationship. Tell your personal story and give a personal invitation. And I'm telling you, we ought to commit to making the most of every opportunity. Because a lot of us are praying, God, give me a big opportunity. If you want a big opportunity from God, you need to start with being faithful with the small ones, and he will bring the big opportunities to your doorstep. Come on, we ought to clap our hands and say a good amen. Paul shifts into landing the plane in in his letter to the people of of Colossae, and in verse 7 he says, Tychicus, lick your lips and say, Tychicus. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming to preach. He is coming with, say this with me, Onesimus. Onesimus. Say Tychicus. Say Onesimus. He's a faithful and dear brother, and he's one of you. Tychicus traveled with Paul. He went to Jerusalem with Paul, went to Greece with Paul. His name's only mentioned five times in the entire Bible, and it's in the credits. He doesn't even get any real playing time. It's interesting to look at this because Paul says in verse 5, or verse 4 and 5, that he is a trusted messenger, a faithful preacher, and a fellow minister. And he says, I'm sending him to you. Paul says, I'm not coming to you myself. Paul never went to Colossae. He sent Tychicus to them. Here's why. Because Paul understood it wasn't about Paul. As a matter of fact, the last two letters of Tychicus and Onesimus is really what this is all about. It's an us kind of team. Not a Paul team. It wasn't built around, around Paul's personality. It was built around Jesus and the team. Tychicus and Onesimus. They traveled on foot across Italy. They sailed across the Adriatic Sea. They went through Greece, and then they went across the Aegean Sea. Then they got to the land and walked another hundred miles just to bring a four-chapter letter to the people of Colossae so they could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they can have this amazing book of the Bible. He was close to Paul in his good days, He was close to Paul in his bad days. It's amazing to me because people like Paul are so popular. Everybody knows Paul. Everybody knows Abraham. Everybody knows Moses and Elijah. We name our sons after these guys. They're upfront heroes with a lot of spotlight and a lot of playing time and a lot of attention, but no one's naming their sons Tychicus. You've never met an Onesimus. (laughs) Never before. 
Matter of fact, most of you have never even heard of these guys. And yet Paul takes some time, several times in his letters, to give a shout out to these guys because they were so valuable to him. These were hidden heroes. Behind the scenes. No spotlight. No recognition. No attention. No book named after them. Hidden heroes. And you've never even heard of them. Hidden in the backgrounds. Without them, though, and others like them, these churches of Ephesus and Colossae wouldn't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. They wouldn't have these books of the Bible, and neither would we. They are hidden heroes. Guys, when you first met your wife, you walked up to her. Here are words you did not say. Hey, girl. You got a sexy spleen. It's never happened. None of you have ever walked across and said, hey, 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 hey. The inferior surface of your pancreas is adorable. Nobody's ever said, hey, 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 girl, hey, hey. Your kidneys are amazing. Matter of fact, you never even given any thought to them. It was all about the eyes and the smile and the hair. You've never even seen these other parts of the body, but how critical are they to the body? They're vital. Vitally important. We need both. We need upfront leaders and we need behind the scenes leaders. You've seen me because I have a microphone and I'm on stage. But there's a good chance that maybe you haven't heard of people on our dream team like Diana and Tatiana Carrera, who have served with our kids for years because it's their passion and they love Jesus by serving kids. Maybe you've seen Kelly lead worship with our team on stage and we got spotlights, we got microphones, but maybe you've never seen, heard of a guy named Abraham who served in our kids' church, is loving kids to Jesus Christ. Hidden in the backgrounds, but heroes nonetheless. Not up front, in the back, behind the scenes. Heroes vital to the team, vital to the success of the mission. Paul is writing, and he says, Tychicus and Onesimus, they are so helpful. They are hidden and highly esteemed. He calls Tychicus a dear brother. He calls him a faithful minister, and he calls him a fellow servant. I'd like to ask ourselves a few questions here. Number one, write this down. Am I living a life a part of the family? He says, you're a dear brother, Tychicus. This guy is my brother. We ought to do life together. Am I living life like I'm a part of the family? Let's be a part. Ask yourself, am I connected in relationship at this church deeper than just Sunday attendance? That's why small groups are so important, everybody. Because you're not going to get to know people sitting in rows. You get to know people sitting in circles. Small group training is today at 1.15. If you want to lead a small group, our small groups begin a couple of weeks from now. They'll go for six weeks, and it is amazing. Everybody who's been to a small group will tell you it is one of the best parts of our church. You need to be in one. I expect if you're going to let us pastor you, we're going to point you to small groups because that's where we pastor people in relationship. Am I a part of the family? Am I living like it? We're a part of the family of God. Let's live like it. Let's not just go our own ways and come for an hour on Sunday. 
Let's live like it. Can I hear an amen? amen? Number two, do I minister faithfully? He says he's a faithful minister. Faithful minister. And most of you are like, Sean, I'm not a minister. Uh, you're the minister. You have the microphone. Okay, let me put it in perspective. I'm not a minister. I'm a pastor. And Ephesians chapter 4 tells me my job description is to raise up the body of Christ, the church, to do the works of the ministry. You are a minister. I anoint you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are ministers of the gospel. Come on, say, I'm a minister. And that's why our growth track is so important. Next Sunday at 1015 or 515, you have an opportunity to join the church and take a four-week journey, four Sundays straight, either 1015 or 515. Join the church and let us help you discover your passions and your gifts to set you loose in that so that you can minister on the dream team, minister to people and tell people about the love of God. You'll never know what purpose feels like until you're making a difference in somebody else's life. So I, I, I shouldn't have to amen myself. Come on, this is good preaching. Number three, he says he's a fellow servant. Ask yourself, do I serve selflessly? <clears throat> do I serve selflessly? We don't serve for us. We don't serve to be known. We serve because there are hurting and broken people in the Bay Area that need the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Yeah. Write this down. God will reward no matter who sees. God will reward hidden heroes. He will reward no matter who sees. Let me show you this in the Bible. Mark chapter 9, verse 41 says, if anyone gives you a, even a cup of water, like he, he, he says, even if it's just a bottle of water, lo avion, because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Doesn't matter how small the task is, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, God sees every hidden hero. Had an opportunity to tour Pixar. You can't have a public tour. They don't do those. You have to know somebody. And I knew somebody. So they gave me a private tour. One of the things I found that was so fascinating about Pixar is that in every movie, every time, every person who works for Pixar during the making of that movie shows up in the credits. I'm talking about the janitor, the creators, the cartoonists, the cook. Every name shows up in the credits. Can I tell you, at the end of the age, no one who serves Jesus Christ will be overlooked in the credits. Every single person who serves, upfront heroes, hidden heroes alike, your name will go down in the credits for Jesus Christ. God will reward no matter who sees. And then write this last point down. Let's finish what we start. Let's finish what we start. Colossians 4.17 says, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you've received in the Lord. See that, Archippus, hey, get Archippus' attention for a second. Bring him in. Tell him to finish what he started. Apparently, we're not the only ones and the only generation who's ever struggled with this. A lot of reasons why we don't finish stuff, right? Sometimes we get morally sidetracked. Other times we get exhausted and stop. Sometimes you get mad and quit. Other times we just let things slide and expect somebody else to pick up the slack. I'm here to tell you today, we're not quitters. 
God didn't quit on you, and we're not quitting on him. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're not going to quit. We're not quitting. We're going to keep this going and see what God does. We have to finish what you started. So ask yourself this last question. What do you need to finish that you started? What is that? I don't know what it is for you, but you know, and God knows. And let's make a recommitment to the Lord now, because listen to me, listen. The phrase, well done, good and faithful servant, will be heard by up in the spotlight heroes and behind the scene heroes alike, because God rewards everyone who serves him faithfully. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe that, let's give the Lord a hand.